0: Grace to you in peace and welcome. You're listening to Second on the Mount, a podcast of sermons from Second Presbyterian Church in beautiful Roanoke, Virginia. My name is Ben Brannan, Associate Pastor for Youth and Young Adults. And each week, it is our hope that from the pulpit, God will twist and mold our words to land upon the listener's ears in a meaningful way that will inspire faith, encourage hope, and cultivate love in action. Thanks for tuning in. We're so glad you're here with us. Please subscribe and share, and I pray that through our words, you may grow closer to God. Our passage for today comes from Luke 14. And I'll be honest, after working on this sermon, a better sermon title might be self-inventory. But either way, I pray the Spirit is at work through these words. But first, let us pray. Grant that the words of my mouth and the meditations of our hearts might be acceptable in your sight. O Lord, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. So we are in Luke chapter 14, verses 25 through 33. It is a challenging passage but we hope and we will work to see what it says to us this day. So listen now, Luke 14, verses 25 through 33. Now large crowds were traveling with him, with Jesus, and he turned and said to them, whoever comes to me and does not hate father and mother, wife and children, brothers and sisters, yes, even life itself cannot be my disciple. Whoever does not carry the cross and follow me cannot be my disciple. For which of you, intending to build a tower, does not first sit down and estimate the cost to see whether he has enough to complete it? Otherwise, when he has laid a foundation and is not able to finish, all who will see it will begin to ridicule him, saying, This fellow began to build and was not able to finish. Or, What king, what king going out to wage war against another king will not sit down first and consider whether he is able with 10,000 to oppose the one who comes against him with 20,000? If he cannot, then while the other is still far away, he sends delegation and asks for terms of peace. So, therefore, none of you can become my disciple if you do not give up all of your possessions. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. This past summer, our youth went to Montreat Youth Conference. The theme for this year was more than enough. We explored various aspects of what this phrase means. We looked at how we need to recognize that without God, we are not enough. That we need to receive God's love, and by God's love, we are more than enough. That we need to rely on God because in God's hands, we are more than enough. That we need to resist the evils of the world, and by God's power, we can do more than enough. And we all need to realize that filled with God's Spirit together, we are collectively more than enough. In the opening keynote on Monday morning, Pam Dressel, the keynote speaker, put an image on the screen. She asked how many squares we see. So I ask you, how many squares do you see? It's okay, you can shout it out. George isn't here, you can yell. 16? 17? 30, 31? A lot, yeah, a lot. Maybe too many to count right now. Yeah, so right off, right off the bat, we see 16 squares. It's a four by four square, so in total we see 16. And then we have the big four by four square, right? So that makes 17. And then you have to look at the two by two squares. You have the top left, two by two, that makes 18. Top middle, two by two, 19. Top right, 20. And then you go to the middle, The middle left, 21. Middle, 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 right. Bottom left, bottom, middle, bottom, right. Now we're up to 26, right? And then you have to look at the three by three square. So three by three, three by three, that's four more. So that's 30 squares in the image. Pam did say at Montreat that someone told her that there was one or two that we missed, but I can't seem to find it on there, so... If you get bored during my sermon, I give you permission to continue the hunt for square 31 and 32. We will find it. But the theme for Monday, the theme word for Monday at the conference was recognize. We are these squares. What Pam was trying to illustrate is that there are always messages around us that tell us what we have to be and what we have to do in order to be enough. Our 16 squares, the things that are seen, our 16 squares need to look a certain way to fit in. Our 16 squares need to be aligned and polished in such a way to be enough in the eyes of the world. She then transitioned to say that, isn't this how we go about our day-to-day interactions? Are we not judging and being judged each and every day by our 16 squares? The things that are easy to see and recognize about other people and ourselves. You could describe my 16 squares like this white, male, relatively young. Well, some may say old, but I think it's just because of the gray hair. I'm married. I have an infant son. I am a pastor. These outside things, the things that are visible in my day-to-day interactions, my day-to-day life, these are the things that make up my 16 squares. Now, could you think about your 16 squares? How would you describe them? Now, could you describe my, how could you describe my 17? My 18, 19, maybe even my 20th square. And some of you may know me enough to offer some insight, but I won't have you shout those out loud. I may describe these next squares like this. I'm competitive. I have a hard time accepting failure. When things are stressful, I seek to control more, and when I lose control, I get stressed out. I compare myself with others too often. And sometimes I think I am not enough. You see, these are the things that aren't easy to see. It takes relationship to see them. It takes intentionality. It takes trust. And this trust is in two directions. One, trust for me to show them to you. And two, for you to be open to recognize and receive them as a part of who I am. So how would you describe your 17, 18, 19, 20, your next level squares? And dare I ask about your 22, 23, perhaps even your 27? You see, now we're getting into the squares that we ourselves have difficulty recognizing. These are the deep things inside of us that make us who we are, the true self. The true self that we sometimes hide, bury, or don't even know yet. But sometimes as we go deeper and we find things within us, we quickly run back to our 16 squares to work on the outer things instead of the deeper squares because individually and collectively we associate good or bad, successful or failure, privileged or profiled, largely based on our 16 squares. And too often when we see other people's 16, we do not seek to understand them from the other person's perspective or life experience. The crowd that followed Jesus reacted to the 16 squares of ministry. The crowds were amazed and astonished at his teaching, at his preaching, at the miracles and healings. The crowds followed because of the things they could see. They heard his sermon on the plain. They saw him debate with the experts of the law, the scribes and the Pharisees. They witnessed the healings, so they followed. They were eager to be part of this transformational ministry. They were eager to become followers of Jesus, but up to this point, they were eager to follow only based on the 16 squares they could see and hear. But Jesus turns to them and offers them the next level squares of what it means to truly be his follower. You may see the healings, I'm rephrasing what Jesus says here. You may see the healings, but if you don't turn from your family, leave your life as you know it and forfeit all things you have worked for, you cannot be my follower. Jesus is telling the crowd that truly following him is next level stuff. It requires a deeper understanding of sacrifice, a deeper understanding of selflessness. And Jesus goes on to offer two parables, two illustrations to show what he means. Which of you, if you are about to build a house, does not first sit down to calculate your budget? to calculate the materials needed, to calculate the time it will take. Which of you will just jump right into the project without first weighing the cost? And Jesus continues, imagine a king who has an army of 10,000. Will the king not sit down and consider if his army can defeat an army of 20,000? And if the king does not think he can win against the opposing army, would he not then send out a delegate to begin talks of peace. Jesus is asking the crowd this, have you considered the cost, the real cost of following me? Have you looked deeper, beyond the 16 squares that you can see and hear, to consider the real sacrifice of being my disciple? There's more to following Jesus than what is on the surface. Following Jesus requires losing your life, leaving your father and mother, turning from your family and the way you have been living to join the family of followers and enter into a new way of living, to enter into the family of God and new life. This is like what Jesus says in Luke 16. You cannot serve two masters, for you will then hate one and and love the other or be devoted to one and despise the other. Thus, in becoming a follower of Jesus, one truly puts Jesus and his ministry above all else. Have you considered that you must lose your life and all that is in it to truly be my disciple. These are challenging words, and the same is asked of us today. Have we considered, truly and deeply considered, all that is involved in following Jesus? With every decision in life, we weigh the options and the costs, but have we done this with living out our faith? There is a cost to the priorities we make. And perhaps putting the two illustrations into modern terms may help. What parent, before signing their child up for a traveling sports team, wouldn't count the cost of travel, the cost of time, and commitment? And what new employee wouldn't consider whether she is willing to work long hours and weekends before taking the job if that is what required? The two parables, illustrations that Jesus offers then lead us to the condition of discipleship that involves giving up everything. If you, if we, if I seek to follow Jesus, then we must understand first that what is required is all you have and all you are. And this brings us back to our squares. Discipleship requires all 30 of your squares. Every part of who we are, known and unknown, seen and unseen. Have you taken inventory of yourself? Have you considered who you are and what you have in order to more fully and more completely follow Jesus? Because the question remains, do you know yourself enough To lose yourself? Do you know yourself enough to lose yourself for the sake of the gospel? Do you know yourself enough to give up hiding behind your 16 squares to be fully seen in order to be fully known and fully give yourself to the work of God's in breaking kingdom? The cost of discipleship is high. But the cost of discipleship is transformation. And this transformation is entering into an intimate relationship with God in Christ, who is inviting us to take inventory of who we are and who we hope to become. Beloved, you are made in the image of God, formed by the hands of the Creator, given life through the Spirit. And Christ is extending an invitation to truly consider and truly count the costs and crosses of life. Asking you to give him all of who you are. Because he has given all of himself for you. During keynote, Pam Dressel also asked us to find our pulse. Can you find your pulse? on your neck or your arm? Do you feel that? Can you feel the spirit within you coursing through your veins? Friends, that is grace. And in the words of Dietrich Bonhoeffer, the call to discipleship is a gift of grace. And the call to discipleship is inseparable. From grace. May it be so. Amen. Second Presbyterian Finding Direction by Following Jesus.